0: My name is Kenny Jacoby. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network.
1: Hello, this is the Emerald Podcast Network. My name is Ryan
2: Kosteka and I'm a sports reporter for the Daily Emerald. I'm here today with two of my colleagues. My name is Gus Morris. I'm a beat reporter for the Emerald, uh, covering the men's basketball team this year. My
0: name is Jared Denny. I'm an associate sports editor with the Emerald, and I'm also covering men's basketball. Alright guys, today I wanted to talk about obviously what's been going on in the Pac-12, we're five games into Pac-12 play, and um, obviously this year the conference is loaded with more talent individually than it has been in the past, um, a ton of players in the player of the year race for the conference, a ton of NBA draft talent, I kind of want to get you guys' take on from wh- what you've seen, who's the best player
2: in the conference? I don't know. For me, it's it's a toss-up right now uh, between Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball. I mean, obviously, they're both they're two of the best players in the country at this point. With Markel Fultz, I mean, he's putting up some numbers that are phenomenal for a freshman. Um, I mean, what 23 points a game right now? Uh, I mean, he had a crazy weekend this week. But I mean, with Lonzo Ball too. I mean, he's kind of revolutionized how UCLA has played and just kind of how how teams are changing the game. And you can kind of see it a bit, you know, in the NBA too, where teams are starting to shoot more threes. And you know, I don't think that. It's totally coming over to the college side. But, I mean, Lonzo Ball has definitely taken it in that direction.
1: I mean, I agree with you. It's become down to Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball is two of the top players. I think you've got to throw in Laurie Markinen of Arizona. He's a talented guy. Um, he reminds me of kind of a younger Dirk Nowitzki. Um, I think that's a kind of his future and where he's looking like. As far as the best player in the game, it just depends on what you want. I think Markel Fultz is the type of player who's gonna you know revolutionize a team. He's who you build around. Lonzo Ball. He's the guy who is going to take you over the hump and make a contender into a championship team.
2: What do you think about the uh, the Jason Kidd comparisons, Jared?
0: With Ball, uh, I see
2: a lot of Jason Jason thing the ability to rebound the
0: ball. Um, he's leading the conference right now, somewhere around eight assists a game. Um, I don't know if the core vision's quite there. I, I've seen him in person, obviously, play at Oregon. Um, and he got kind of shut down there in the first half. I think what's amazing about him so far is how well he shot the ball with what is really kind of an un- unorthodox shooting stroke that it's a lot true, of yeah. a lot of people i think it's kind of the one knock on him at the M- nba game right now is how how consistent is that shot going to be when he gets to the next level um, and, and i think another guy that people haven't talked about quite as much is ivan rabbit cal he's pulling down 11 point, 11 rebounds a game right now he's averaging f- 15 points a game he's c- somewhere closer to 13 rebounds a game in conference play and he's somebody who is kind of stalled on draft boards he's in the 14 to 15 range on most mock draft boards right now and he's having what has been a really productive year and i think he's somebody that people have maybe forgotten about a little bit in that um conference player of the year race and i wanted to ask you guys where where do you think these point guards obviously Fultz, ball are both super dynamic guards who do different things where do they compare to the guards that you've seen in this conference over the last
2: last several years well i mean uh you know, a guy who you could obviously compare, uh, ball to is, uh, Russell Westbrook. And I actually pulled up Russ's stats here and it's pretty surprising actually seeing, uh, kind of comparing the two. I mean, in, uh, 2007, 2008, when uh, you know, Russell Westbrook was playing with Kevin Love and Aaron Flalo and that was a good team. Um, Russ averaged 12.7 points, 4.3 assists and four rebounds. And I mean, you know, you, you see what he's doing in the NBA and he's a He's insane, but then you look at Ball this year, and he's averaging fourteen and a half points, eight assists, and five rebounds. The shooting splits are good. I mean, it's sixty-seven percent from from two and forty-three percent from three. Like, I mean, he's a great player. And at this point, too, we were looking at uh, NBA Draft just at some you know mock drafts, and there are five five Pac-12 players in the lottery, which is insane. I mean, I. You Talk about the guards between ball ball and Fultz and who they remind
1: you of as pro players and what their pro potential is. I think it's been this is the first time I can remember the Pack Tour where they've had two legit dynamic point guards who will change franchises when drafted. Um, usually, you will have one type of player, but the Pac 12 has been known for more of these kind of freakish athletic wing type players. I mean, look at Stanley Johnson. Um, gosh, I can't remember his name, but he was taken last year. Alan Crabb. Yeah, Alan Crabb, exactly. Uh, the guy who's taken for the place of the Celtics now from last Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown. I mean, there's these dynamic wings. Even Derrick Williams coming out of college was a high draft pick, kind of a dynamic wing. So for the Pac-12 to have these two point guards, I think it's hard to compare them to anyone. I know OJ Mayo was a star in college, and I think comparison-wise, that's who I would go with for his college comparison, but I think as far as the pro ceiling goes, both of these have a higher, Both of these players have a higher ceiling than Mayo does.
0: We've seen some players come in over the years, Zach Levine, Westbrook, Shabazz Muhammad, all those UCLA guys weren't super productive college players stat-wise, and some have gone on to have a really productive NBA careers. They were lottery picks. How much more impressive do you think it makes that the ball and Fultz, the guys who are at the top of the lottery, are having such impressive years and really pushing their teams? I know Washington is kind of out of the Pac-12 at this point, but Fultz is averaging 23 points a game and has really lived up to that number one prospect
2: billing. Fultz has kind of reminded me a bit of what Ben Simmons was last year, you know, playing at an average team but still putting up insane numbers. Um, I mean, I think he's definitely showcasing his skills and making a very good case for being the number one pick. But I, at this point, I think I'd probably have to go with, with Ball in that regard.
1: See, I, I disagree. I go, I'm going with Fultz, man. I just think with what he's done, with who he has on his team, and yeah, Grant Washington is not very good, but the fact that he's elevated the play of all those players, it's extremely talented to me. Um, he kind of reminds me of a better shooting Derrick Rose player.
0: As we're looking over these NBA draft boards, obviously, like like I said, we have Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, and kind of trading the one-two spots in the mock drafts throughout the year. There's a t- ton of other Pac-12 talent um, up in the lottery right now. You have TJ Lee from UCLA, like I said, Ivan Rabb, a couple guys who are really, really at the top of these draft boards. When was the last time that you guys saw the conference loaded
2: with this much draft talent? Man, it's been a while for me. I mean, i got to compare this to 2008. Uh, I mean, that's the that's the one in my most recent memory. I mean, OJ Mayo was three. You had Russ and Kevin Love going 4-5, and then... Uh, I mean, you had the Lopez brothers, you know, Brooke going 10, and then you had Robin going 15. And, I mean, that was the last time that I can remember the the Pac-12 being, you know, this this full of talent. Again, looking at the draft boards, too, uh, I mean, even second-round players, too. I mean, you have a... TJ Leaf is projected as as number 13, you know, Ivan Rabb is 14, you know. Like I said, the Pac-12 is five guys who could potentially be lottery picks this year and and I'm um, and a bunch more second round guys too like Chris Boucher is 38th right now, Jordan Bell 41, Dylan Brooks 55. So, I mean, you have just insane talent just up and down, you know, all the way through this draft and I think this is one of the most talented and deepest uh, draft potential teams that Pac-12 has had in a long time. What's interesting is that,
1: you know, Yes, UCLA's having a great year, but Oregon right now beat UCLA, is considered probably the front runner for the conference, a national championship contender. They don't have anyone starting to be drafted until Boucher at thirty eight. And that's then true. that's when you get to Boucher, you get Bell, you get Dylan Brooks. So it's just very interesting, you know, if you compare styles of coaching and kind of what players are attracted to what teams. UCLA is all about star power, but can they really come together to be a team? While well, Oregon doesn't necessarily have that one star, but they're achieving. They're more of a team, they're achieving their team goals. So I Yeah, the Pac-12 is extremely deep. Um, Do I think all of these guys will make a difference in the league? To be honest, I don't. But, I mean, as far as star power goes, yeah, Pac-12 has definitely got it this year.
0: I want to go back to something that you said about Oregon not having a guy in really the first round of the draft in any of these mock drafts. They have three, four guys in Boucher, Bell, Brooks. Dorsey has been off draft boards, but he got a lot of draft plays last year. Which of those four do you think has the best shot
2: of making an impact in the NBA? Should they be drafted? This is an interesting question. I mean, I've been I've been kind of, kind of thinking about this a lot, too. Um, just in terms of like the prototypical you know body and a and a person who could be good, I think it could be Jordan Bell. Um, I think in skill set wise it could be Chris Boucher. Um, I mean again I think Chris has to put on put on a lot of weight to actually be a be a productive good NBA player. But I mean people have put weight on before. It's not unheard of. Um, but I mean I think with Jordan Bell, you know he just doesn't have. Uh, you know, as far as I've seen, he just doesn't have the uh, tangible skills at this point. But, I mean, again, you can you can develop, you know, a mid-range game. You can develop post-game and stuff. But, I mean, I think those two guys. I mean, as far as Dylan Brooks go, I think uh, I think he he's going to have a little bit of trouble, I think, adjusting to the NBA. I mean, he's a, uh, you know, what position is he going to be? Is it like a two or a three? You know, I mean, probably a three at this point. But, you know, I mean, is he fast enough to guard guys like, like LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard? And, you know, I just don't really see that. But, I mean. Again, stranger things have happened.
1: It's funny you talk to any Oregon fan there in love with Dylan Brooks. He is Oregon's best player. He's the man. As far as I go, I mean, talented kid. I like him. I've met him, talked to him, interviewed him. He's last of those four players you mentioned as to which player will make a difference in the NBA. Tyler Dorsey is the best shooter. NBA is always looking for shooters. Tyler Dorsey can also defend. He's long. He's a guard. Not the tallest guy in the world, but he's a long guard who can defend. You'll always find a spot for someone like that in the NBA. Boucher has got that unique skill set. I think he does need to add weight. And then you have Jordan Bell, just one of those freakish athletes who is just an insane athlete, and you can teach a guy to shoot. Of all the things you can teach someone to do, he has a knack for the game. He's knack for blocks, for rebounds. He's got a good feel. He can guard from four to one. I mean, you've seen him switch out onto smaller guards. There are times he's guarding of Ball. He's guarding Bryce Alford. Jordan Bell can guard kind of anyone is from what I've noticed, but he doesn't have much of an offensive game. If he learns to develop that, I think he would be my number one. Then I go with Dorsey, Boucher, and then Brooks.
0: Yeah, I think if you're talking about Jordan Bell, I think this is a really good time for him to to be coming out. Um, everyone wants to talk about in the NBA how it's such a shooter's league right now. Right now, you look at somebody like Montrezl Harrell at Houston, uh, he's kind of become James Harden's pick-and-roll guy, g- cleans all the gl- cleans off all the rebounds, doesn't shoot the ball particularly well, but doesn't have to because he has such good hands. He can kind of finish up coming off the pick-and-roll. I think that's somebody that Jordan Bell could, could kind of mold himself after, somebody who doesn't doesn't have to shoot and doesn't have to do all the offensive things that you see these stretch force doing because he's so athletic. Like you said, Ryan, he can guard anybody, and he really, I think— if he ends up on the right team, he, he has an NBA-ready body right now and could really make an impact soon.
2: And again, you could teach skill, too. So And kind of
0: transitioning back into the team aspect of things, right now, there's three really, really elite teams in this conference right now, the UCLA, Oregon, and Arizona, who's come on really strong as of late. Um, looking ahead to the Pac-12 tournament, I mean, there isn't a ton of depth in the conference this year. Last year, the Pac-12 had uh, a record seven teams make the tournament. Um, right now, they're looking four maybe five tops right now which of the three elite teams and then also USC do you kind of see making
2: the biggest impact um once we get to March April it's going to be interesting to see who can stay healthy at that point and who is hitting their stride I mean Oregon uh Oregon has done that in the past couple years you know they kind of hit their stride towards the uh you know towards conference championship last year and they really played their best basketball at that point I kind of, I mean, personally for me, I think it could be, I mean, it's tough for me, but I think UCLA has has the most upside for me in that regard. I mean, they're a team that can shoot, they can defend, you know, they can they can get out and they can push the ball. Um, I just think when you have that much firepower, it's just hard to stop someone like that.
1: Um, for me, it comes down to one player, one player only, Alonzo Trier of Arizona. Trier's been suspended for most of the year. If he comes back and he plays, I mean, he's been practicing all year. If he is granted eligibility and he plays for Arizona, that's my pick. Um, Arizona's got two legit seven-footers in Markkanen and Dusan Ristich, who can both flat-out play. Markkanen can step out, hit the three. Parker Jackson Cartwright, point guard's been there before. You have Kobe Sivins, Chance Comanche You got Raleigh Hawkins, Kandim Allen. It's a team that's loaded with skill players. And... They play with Sean Miller. The best coach do not reach the Final Four yet. I think that if Arizona gets Trier back, who, like I said, has been practicing all year, it'll miss a beat. It gives them that go to score who can get you a bucket when you need it at crunch time. They already play legit elite defense. Arizona's my pick, Then it's a toss up between Oregon and UCLA. Both teams have been there before. UCLA has more star power. Oregon's more of a team, so it just it depends on who's gonna have the easier road to the Final Four.
2: I just want to say too that that Arizona Oregon matchup is gonna be something to watch. for February fourth, like be sure to tune into that one. That one is gonna be a uh, high firepower for sure. Do you guys see another team sneaking in outside of the
0: UCLA Oregon Arizona right now? Cal is sitting. Kind of looks like maybe that that fifth team that can make it in their 4-2 in conference, 13-5 and five overall. They have the star power with Ivan Rab and Jabari Bird. If you guys had to pick one team who might might sneak in and be that fifth, maybe maybe sixth team, who do you, who have you seen so far that's kind of stood out to you?
2: I mean, for me, the only answer is Cal here. Um, I mean, I think Utah is a good team, too. They haven't exactly had the toughest schedule. Uh, I mean, granted, neither is Cal. But just, just in terms of, of someone who really could turn it around in the second half of their season— um, I think it could be Cal. I mean, they're thirteen and five right now. I mean, they have a they have a close loss at, at UCLA. I mean, ten points, not that close, but it's uh, still they played them tough. I mean, four point loss to Virginia it was a good team. Uh, five point loss to Arizona. Um, I mean, again, Ivan Rab, you're talking about could be one of the best big men in the country. Yeah, I mean, I just think that that if they do well in in, in the second half of their. Uh, of their conference schedule and if they make, you know, maybe take a game or two in the in the conference championships, I I think they could be bound for the tournament too.
1: I agree with you. I mean Cal's got that opportunity. If Cal shoots, Cal's gonna go. Um if Jabari Bird and Charlie Moore, two of the guards, start shooting the three ball well, Cal could be very, very difficult considering they have Rap and they have two other legit seven footers on their team who play consistently um, if Cal's going to surprise anyone, it's not necessarily going to be on the defensive side of the end. They're not going to all of a sudden start stopping players. But if Jabari Bird is a streaky shooter and who Oregon is afraid of for tonight, if Jabari Bird starts shooting the ball well, Charlie Moore starts penetrating and shooting the ball better from deep, Cal could be scary, and Cal could shock a lot of teams with how well they could spread the ball around and then dump it into Rab if
0: needed. I right, run out of time here, but real quickly, where do you guys think that
2: Oregon is ultimately going to end up in this conference race? Uh, I mean, it again, kind of with Cal. It depends on how they finish, you know, their schedule. I mean, the other than UCLA, they have not had the toughest, uh, you know, so so far conference schedule. I mean, the the teams that they played are are a combined six and fifteen, other than Arizona, um, in conference so far. Uh, so again, it. Uh, I really think that they need to uh, to really, you know, I think they'll be they'll be pushed and challenged in the second half, and I think that they'll need that to really make some noise. But I, I see them as a favorite, though.
0: Yeah, ultimately, uh, I think they have to be the favorite in this conference, too. They've already topped what a lot of people thought to be the best team maybe in the country at that point in UCLA, and um, they also get the opportunity to obviously play Arizona at some point at home and kind of show how legit they actually are by facing another top opponent. But I just don't see anybody kind of contending w- with their depth. They have everybody clicking at this point. They have a healthy Dylan Brooks bag playing how everybody thought he was going to play, and I think they really are the team to beat.
1: Plain and simple,
0: Oregon plays Arizona
1: once and UCLA once more. Oregon gets Arizona at home. Arizona and UCLA still play each other twice. I think I think Oregon will be the number one seed. Um, I think Oregon will play in the Pac-12 championship as far as they win. I'm not sure. But as far as that goes for the Ducks, I think they'll be the last team standing in the, national, in the NCAA tournament. Well, that's all we have for today. Uh, on behalf of the Emerald Sports Desk and the Emerald Podcast Network, we'd like to thank you and have a great day.